Hey, I'm Slander, and this moron that's got to be doing this thing, his name's Dan. Welcome to the Aftermath. are run in a cycle of the news to where we almost become sick of them. What happened to the stories that dominated the news for such a long time? Did they ever figure out what the actor or actress's death was caused by? Who was the killer in that string of murders? Does the legendary creature exist, or was it made up by someone simply seeking attention? How did that one person die? Welcome to the Aftermath, where we hop in our time machines and figure out what ended up happening in the news stories we followed so intently and then never heard the ending to due to life smacking us in the face with more happenings. Forgotten story. The death of John Lennon. On the evening of December 8th, 1980, Mark David Chapman shot a bullet into the heart of America. On that evening, we had John Lennon and his amazing music so boldly taken from this world. The backstory. Mark David Chapman waited for Lennon outside the Dakota in early morning on December 8th and spent most of the day near the entrance to the Dakota, talking to fans and the doorman. During that time, Chapman was distracted and missed seeing Lennon step out of a cab and enter the Dakota. Later in the morning, Chapman met Lennon's family nanny, Helen Seaman, who was returning from a walk with Lennon's five-year-old son, Sean. Chapman reached in front of the housekeeper to shake Sean's hand. Creeper and said that he was a beautiful boy, quoting John Lennon's song, Beautiful Boy. Annie Leibovitz had been at the Dakota to shoot photos of John and Yoko for the Rolling Stone magazine. Leibovitz promised them that a photo of the two of them naked would make the front cover of the magazine. Leibovitz took several photos of John Lennon alone, and one was originally set to be on the cover. 3.30 p.m., Leibovitz leaves John and Yoko's apartment. After that photo shoot, Lennon gave what would be his last interview to RKO, Radio Networks in San Francisco for a music show to be broadcast on the network of the same name. As a lifelong Beatles fan, Chapman had stopped Lennon a few hours before the attack so he could get his copy of Double Fantasy autographed by Lennon. Near 5 p.m., Lennon and Yoko left their apartment to mix the song Walking on Thin Ice, a song written by Yoko Ono featuring Lennon on lead guitar at the Record Planet. The Lennons returned to the Dakota at approximately 10.50 p.m. Lennon wanted to say goodnight to his son before going to the Sage Deli restaurant with Ono. The Lennons exited their limousine on 72nd Street and Instead of driving into the more secure courtyard of the Dakota, the Lennons passed Chapman and walked towards the archway entrance of the building. As Ono passed by Chapman, he nodded at her. As Lennon passed by, Lennon recognized him from earlier. Seconds later, Chapman drew a gun, which was concealed in his coat pocket, aimed at the center of Lennon's back, and rapidly fired five hollow-point bullets from a distance of about 9 to 10 feet. One bullet missed Lennon and struck the window of the Dakota. According to the autopsy report, two bullets entered the left side of Lennon's back, traveling through the side of his chest and his left lung, with one exiting the body 
and lodged into his neck. Two more bullets hit Lennon on his left shoulder. Lennon bleeding profusely from his external wounds and from his mouth staggered up five steps into the security reception area where he said, quote, I'm shot, I'm shot, end quote. He then fell to the floor, scattering cassette tapes that he was carrying. Jose Perdomo, the doorman, shook the gun out of Chapman's hand and kicked it across the pavement. Concierge worker Jay Hastings first started to make a tourniquet, but upon ripping open Lennon's blood-stained shirt and realizing the severity of his injuries, he covered Lennon's chest with his uniform jacket, removed his blood-covered glasses, and summoned the police. Chapman removed his coat and hat to show that he was not carrying any weapons and remained standing on West 72nd Street, waiting for the police to arrive. Underneath his coat, he wore a promotional t-shirt, Todd Rundgren's album, Hermit of the Mink Hollow. Perdermo shouted at Chapman, do you know what you just did? To which Chapman calmly replied, quote, I just shot John Lennon, end quote. Officer Steven Spiro and Peter Cullen were the first policemen to arrive at the scene. They were at 72nd Street and Broadway when they heard the report of shots fired at the Dakota. The officers arrived around two minutes later and found Chapman standing in very calmly on West 72nd Street reading the paperback copy of J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye. They immediately put Chapman in handcuffs and placed him in the back seat of their squad car. Chapman made no attempt to flee or resist arrest. Colin said of Chapman, quote, He apologized to us for ruining our nights. I turned around to him and said, You've got to be fucking kidding me. You're worried about our night? Do you know what you just did to your life? We read him as rights more than once. Officer Herb Frauenberger and his partner, Tony Palma, were the second team arriving on the crime scene. They found Lennon lying face down on the floor of the reception area, blood pouring from his mouth and his clothing already soaked with blood. With Hastings attending him, officers James Moran and Bill Gamble then arrived at the scene and Frauenberger put Lennon in Morana and Gable's car, concluding that his condition was too serious to wait for an ambulance to arrive. Moran and Gamble then drove Lennon to Roosevelt Hospital on West 59th Street, followed by Frauenberger and Palma, who drove Ono to the hospital. According to Gamble, in the car, Moran asked, quote, Are you John Lennon? End quote. Or, quote, Do you know who you are? End quote. Lennon nodded, but could only manage to make a moaning and gurgling sound when he tried to speak, and he lost consciousness shortly thereafter. A few minutes before 11 p.m., Moran arrived at the Roosevelt Hospital with Lennon and in his squad car. Moran was carrying Lennon on his back and onto a gurney, demanding that a doctor for a multiple gunshot wound victim. When Lennon was brought in, he was not breathing and he had no pulse. Three doctors, a nurse, and two or three other medical assistants worked on John Lennon for 10 to 20 minutes in an attempt to resuscitate him. As a last resort, the doctors cut open Lennon's chest and attempted a manual heart massage to restore circulation, but they quickly discovered that the damage to the blood vessels above and around Lennon's heart from the multiple bullet wounds was just too great. Three of the four bullets that struck Lennon's back passed completely through his body and out his chest, while the fourth lodged itself in his aorta beside his heart. One of the existing bullets from his chest hit and became lodged in his upper left arm. Several of the wounds could have been fatal by themselves because the bullet had ruptured vital arteries around the heart. Lennon was shot four times at close range with hollow point bullets and his affected organs, particularly his left lung and major blood vessels above his heart were virtually destroyed upon impact. Reports regarding who operated on or attempted to resuscitate Lennon has been very inconsistent. Stephen Lynn, the head of emergency department of Roosevelt Hospital, is usually credited with performing Lennon's surgery. In 2005, Lynn said he massaged Lennon's heart 
and attempted to resuscitate him for 20 minutes. Two other doctors were present, and at three of them declared Lennon's death. Richard Marks, an emergency surgeon at Roosevelt Hospital, stated in 1990 that he operated on Lennon, administered a massive blood transfusion, and provided a heart massage, but to no avail. Quote, when I realized he wasn't going to make it, said Marks, I just sewed him back up. I felt helpless, end quote. David Halloran, who had been a third-year general surgery resident at Roosevelt Hospital, disputed the accounts of both Marks and Lynn in 2015. Halloran stated that the two doctors, quote, didn't do anything, end quote, and that he did not initially realize the identity of the victim. He added that Lynn only came to assist him when he heard it was John Lennon. According to the death certificate, Lennon was pronounced dead on arrival at 11.15 p.m. With the time, 11.07 p.m. has been reported, witnesses noted that the Beatles song, quote, all my loving, end quote, came on the hospital's sound system at that moment. Lennon was pronounced dead. Lennon's body was then taken to the city morgue at 521st Avenue for an autopsy. The cause of death was reported on his death certificate as hypovolemic shock caused by the loss of more than 80% of blood volume due to multiple through-and-through gunshot wounds to the left shoulder and left chest resulting in damage to the left lung, the left subclavian artery, and both aortic and aortic arch, according to the report. Even with the prompt medical care Lennon received, no person could have lived for more than a few minutes with multiple gunshot wounds as Lennon had. They had hit his arteries and veins all around his heart. Ono asked the hospital to not report to the media that her husband was dead until she had informed her five-year-old son, Sean Lennon, who was at home. Ono said he was probably watching television and that she did not want him to learn of his father's death from a TV announcement. However, news producer Alan J. Weiss of WABC-TV happened to be waiting for a treatment in the Roosevelt emergency room after he was in a crash earlier that evening. Police officers wheeled Lennon into the same room as Weiss and mentioned what happened. Weiss then called his station and relayed the information. ABC News President Rune Aldridge received word of the death during the last few minutes of a national football broadcast of Monday Night Football game between the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins, with the game tied and the Patriots about to attempt a field goal to win. Arledge informed Frank Gifford and Howard Cosell of the shooting and suggested they report the murder. Cosell, who had interviewed Lennon during their Monday Night Football broadcast in 1974, was chosen to do so, but balked at being the one to deliver the news. Gifford convinced Cosell otherwise, saying, quote, You've got to do it. You've got to. If you know it, we've got to do it. Don't hang on it. It's a tragic moment, and this is going to shake up the whole world, end quote. The news was broken as follows. Cosell, but the game, but suddenly, been placed in a tonal perspective for us in a hurry-up offense. Third down and four. It'll be fourth down. We'll let it run down to the final attempt. He'll let the seconds tick off the clock and give Miami no opportunity whatsoever. A whistle blows. Timeout is called with three seconds remaining. John Smith is on the line. I don't care what's on the line. Howard, you have got to say what we know in the booth. Cosell, yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy been confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous perhaps of all the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. Hard to go back to a game after that news flash, which, in duty-bound, have to take Gifford after a pause. Indeed it is. According to Chapman's wife, he was angry that Lennon would preach love and peace 
but yet have millions. And Chapman later said, he told us, imagine no possessions. And there he was with millions of dollars in yachts and farms and country estates, laughing at people like me who had believed the lies and fought the records and built a big part of their own lives around his music. Chapman remained at the scene of the shooting, reading Catcher in the Rye until he was arrested by police. In 2022, in Chapman's 12th parole hearing, he admitted he knew what he did was wrong, but, quote, wanted the fame too much, end quote. The board denied his parole due to his action leaving, quote, the world recovering from the void of which he created, end quote. 2024, Chapman's 13th parole hearing is scheduled for February. In a transcript released by the New York officials under the Freedom of Information Act, then 67-year-old Mark David Chapman said he knew the decision to kill Lennon was wrong and evil. Quote, I'm not going to blame anything else or anybody else for bringing me there. Chapman told the board, quote, I knew what I was doing and I knew it was evil. I knew it was wrong, but I wanted the fame so much that I was willing to give everything and take a human life. He continued, This was evil in my heart. I wanted to be somebody and nothing was going to stop that. At the previous parole hearings, he has expressed remorse for killing Lennon and recently accepted that his actions have consequences. Quote, I heard a lot of people all over the place. If somebody wants to hate me, that's okay. I get it, he said. Chapman, who attended Columbia High School in Decatur, notes that he purchased the hollow point bullets used to kill John Lennon in Georgia after failing to obtain them from New York. He recalls playing John Lennon's music at high school band, then becoming angry and jealous after seeing photos of Lennon and his luxury apartment home. Throughout the interview, Chapman maintains that his key motive was self-glory. Chapman also admits that there were other celebrities on his hit list, as should he fail on the assassination attempt of John Lennon. Although the names were redacted in the report, the murderer has revealed previously that television host Johnny Carson was a backup choice. Film star Elizabeth Taylor, also on that list. Chapman referenced additional redacted names, saying, quote, I went to see the play with him in it. End quote. This is possible a reference to David Bowie, who was told by authorities that Chapman had purchased tickets to see Bowie in a Broadway show, The Elephant Man, while in New York. The transcript touches upon Chapman's infamous obsession with J.D. Salinger novel. Catcher in the Rye. At his sentencing, the murderer read a passage from the book aloud in the court. Chapman explains to the board that at a time, he identified with the novel's hero and developed a messiah complex. Today, says Chapman, quote, I don't read the book anymore, end quote. Life in prison looks very different today from when Chapman entered in 81. He's provided with a tablet to download books. He has over 300 books. Read the news and make approved communications with his wife. His job as a clerk includes preparing meals, doing administrative work, and cleaning the prison. Because of COVID-19 pandemic, he was required to wear a mask and use strong bleach when cleaning. Throughout the interview, Chapman accepts his punishment willingly, saying, quote, I deserve the death penalty for the premeditated murder. If you choose to leave me in here for the rest of my life, he concludes, I have no complaint whatsoever. End quote. Some commissioners present at the board hearing had met Chapman at previous interviews and noted that the inmate has maintained a, quote, exemplary disciplinary record, end quote commending him on his, quote, personal growth and productive use of time, end quote. In the 39 years since his incarceration, Chapman has performed clerk duties and volunteered with prison ministry programs. However, Chapman's good behavior could not outweigh the grave, violent nature 
of his crime for the parole board. In their final decision, the board states that Chapman, quote, carried out this assassination in the presence of Lennon's wife, who will forever be impacted by your heinous actions. Lennon's children lost an opportunity to experience life with their loving father. They added that his release would have depreciate the seriousness of your crime as you undermine respect for the law. Here's part of the transcript. Question. After the shooting, sir, did you feel relieved, like the fact that you accomplished what you were setting out to do? Answer. No, that I did not feel. The opposite happened. Question. You didn't flee? You just stood there? And then I know the doorman took care of the gun, and you just sat there and opened up the book and started reading. I don't know how you could have been reading during such a moment of chaos, where an unbelievable man is laying there, about 30 feet from you, dead by your actions. Answer. Yes, I just want to reiterate that I'm sorry for my crime. I have no excuse. This was for self-glory. I think it's the worst crime that there could be to do to something or someone that's innocent. He was actually kind to me that day. Something did come up in my mind to tell you earlier. It wasn't per se. It was that he was famous, extremely famous. That's why he was at the top of the list. I want to apologize for that murder. I want to apologize for my total cold-heartedness for that. I just want her to know that she knows her husband like no one else and knows the kind of man he was. I didn't. I just judged him from a book and I murdered him. He was extremely famous. I didn't kill him because of his character or the kind of man he was. He was a family man. He was an icon. He was someone that now we can speak of. Question. I don't know if you remember that question from before. You probably don't. In your opinion, would your release result in that in your opinion? Answer. I can say this. I deserve the death penalty. I think that says it all. I deserve nothing but that. His next appearance before the board was in 2022, where he was 67 years old. Had he lived today, John Lennon would be 79 years old. Lennon's widow, Yoko Ono, has repeatedly argued against Chapman's release over fears that he would endanger her and her son's lives. Some commissioners present at the board hearing had met Chapman at previous interviews and noted that the inmate has maintained an exemplary disciplinary record, commending him on his, quote, personal growth and productive use of time, end quote. Special thanks to the New York officials under the Freedom of Information Act. WSB Radio. ABC.com. NBC.com. For the aftermath, I'm your host, Dan Hudson. Peace!